Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Steve, and my co-host, Kyle, will be joining us momentarily. Tonight, we're going to be discussing the top 10 scariest gimmicks in honor of this weekend, or this coming weekend, rather, being Halloween. And we're talking those gimmicks, like I said in the intro, that just managed to scare the bejesus out of us. And what was it that about them that scared us? Was how they looked? Because some wrestlers just scared, especially when you're a kid watching it. Or it could have been something they did in the ring. Their promos, and some people, their promos just, um, yeah, they that did the trick for me. Um, but before we start, I will go ahead and give you our, our contact info. Yeah, just if you want to get a hold of us, just email us at armchairbookingpodcast at gmail dot com. You can reach us on Facebook at facebook dot com slash armchairbookingpodcast. You can get us on Twitter at booking armchair. You can find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. And as I'm able to add more, then I will announce those as well. And I will have to do a disclaimer because it's something I've kind of noticed about some of the ads. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of control over which ads are played. A lot of those are for whatever your local area is. Uh, So if you hear um, any political ads, I did not put them there. In fact, I actually have it set to where no political ads are supposed to be played. But I've noticed, Tyler and I have noticed that there's some that manage to sneak around that kind of firewall. Uh, and uh, you there, Kyle? Grudgingly. We All are right. able, but we do not support a party on any forum. Yes, because we, uh, Kyle and I decided a long time ago on our podcast, no politics will be discussed, no religions will be discussed. Because unfortunately, those can lead, get into heated discussions, and we kind of want to keep the focus on sports entertainment, or, you know, wrestling. That's what I grew up watching was wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. And it's still real to me, damn it. Yep. So, and we want to keep this family friendly, so for any callers calling in, yeah, please, yeah, keep it family friendly, no swearing, if you don't mind. And for anybody who does want to call us, the phone number is 319-527- Six zero eight nine. So before we get into our number 10 of the top 10 scariest gimmicks, um, I want to explain how we came up with this. Kyle and I sent each other a list of 20 gimmicks that we thought were scariest, and we actually have them ranked in order numbers 1 through 20. And with those, we actually give them points based on where they rank. Uh, like number one, we get 20 points. Number two, we get um, 19 points. Number three, we get 18 points, so on and so forth. And then we take those two lists and we combine them, and whoever has the most, most points, of course, gets number one. Second most points gets number two. And so that's the fun part is that you're creating the list, isn't it, Kyle? I would say this list was way easier than the third-generation list. Yes, because, wow, we thought that was going to be easy, but, oh, good God, it was not. But coming up with what was scary to you as a child versus, like, looking back on it today, it, it 
only growth to show you how much wrestling has changed in our lifetime. Yep. So, all right, so before we get on to number 10, let's go ahead and take our first commercial break. And we are back. All right, Kyle. So, for our number 10, do you want to take it or do you want me to take it? Number 10, because this is on my list and you have a different version of this character. But realize I was 11 when this happened. (laughs) I had the debut of The Undertaker at Survivor Series. And have you ever heard a, a crowd hush the way they did from the Undertaker the, the moment he came out to the ring? No. Um, and, well, actually, the first time I saw him, because uh, I actually didn't see the debut of the Undertaker, but when I finally saw him wrestle, I'm like, to me, Mark Callis. But I liked him a lot better as the Undertaker. He ended up being one of my favorite wrestlers ever. But, yeah, that debut when he came out with Brother Love in 1990, almost 30 years ago now. In fact, the Survivor Series this year is on the exact 30-year anniversary. So I'm just going to throw a hint out there to them in the WWE. Maybe you ought to have the Undertaker have his last match then. It'll be a perfect circle. Anyway, um. The way he came out, the way he no sold, um, and he did he do the the backflip over the top rope in that match? I don't remember. He did. That's how he got eliminated. He got eliminated by countout. Ah, yeah. He and Dusty Rose got to fighting. Um, but this was after he did the tombstone to Coco Beware, and he actually botched the move and. Coco apparently wanted to fight him in the backstage area, and they said it actually would have been a pretty even battle because Coco is known to be a pretty good scrapper. And and if you um, if you watch the replay of that, yeah, you could see Undertaker held him a little bit too low, and he came down right on the back of his neck. But but that's probably one of the only times he ever botched that move. When, I I just remember being an eleven year old kid. <laughs> I saw Dan Spivey. I saw Mean Mark. I saw um, what were they? The uh, Twin Towers. Yeah, skyscrapers. Skyscrapers. There they are. Yeah, the Twin Towers were Uh, a team and Big Boss Man. But to to have that and then see him come out completely opposite gimmick and just terrified because. You know, I was kind of afraid of death. Um, and that man looked like walking death. <laughs> and, and that's all I can say about that. That's all I got to say about that. And I think he's, you know, he's kind of took that gimmick um, and he's evolved with it. You know, because the version I actually had, and this did not make the top ten, was the Ministry of Darkness uh, Undertaker. And that one, I definitely was not 11. I mean, I was in my early 20s. And that one, I, that one was actually kind of crossing some lines that even Mark Calloway himself said he, he actually told Vince McMahon he didn't want to do that character anymore because it was getting a little too dark. But that character was incredibly dark. 
And in hindsight, like that was something we probably should have discussed. The Undertaker could have appeared on our list in three different places. Uh, I'd say two because the American badass character to me wasn't scary. Um, he's kind of a butthole, but not scary. You had the, you had the uh the Ministry of Darkness. Um and then when he was the Phantom Undertaker with the face mask. And, oh and this was, <laughs> that was Okay, I totally forgot about that one because the face mask was out of necessity because uh, Mabel had legitimately fractured his eye socket. Yeah, but there's different versions of the same guy that were, hence where you were at um, in, in your life and as a fan and if you believed in, you know. Right, so, but... The next one, you know, because we eventually we'd have to move on, as much as what I like talking about The Undertaker. Our next one, it makes me kind of wonder, you know, was he scary because this was legit? And that'd be Bruiser Brody. Um, he was, Bruiser Brody, When I every time I saw him and uh, saw him on TV, I never saw him live, obviously, because unfortunately I was all of, 14 when he was murdered um but i saw him on tv coming from puerto rico i saw him coming from texas i saw him on another one that was um it was international championship wrestling coming uh i want to say somewhere in florida um like probably around the panhandle in florida but it was angelo savoldi's uh his organization and saw some matches with him in japan but his gimmick, I mean, he was just like a wild man. And that's what made him so scary. Without question, he he was a wild man. He, he gave the appearance of being unhinged, uncontrollable. Uh, I saw him in the AWA, uh, wrestled Superfly Snuka. One guy uh, that Taylor made to be a Hulk Hogan opponent. And I don't think they ever wrestled, did they? No, but just brutal. And, and from all the documentaries, a tremendous dad and husband, but kept kayfabe and really held on to his character. Yes, because the Dark Side of the Ring a documentary, I don't know if that's the one that you're referring to. Um, but that one, you know, when they actually showed his wife and they're talking, you know, to his son, you know, that, that was an, a side that unfortunately, I mean, the general public didn't get to see. Um, right. Because his last words were, tell my, it was either tell my wife and my son or tell my son, I love him. Because he yeah. was, he, he was there to take care of his family. And, you know, it's a travesty what happened. It's a travesty, and this is me going off in kind of an opinion ran a little bit right now. It's a, it's a travesty that people were not held accountable. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, we can't do anything about it now. You know, um, but when you, 
watch him when you're watching Brody or Frank Goodish, you know his real name. When you watch the way he was in the ring, you think he had a little bit of influence on some people now and some people that came really not not long after him. You know, maybe I don't know uh, Mick Foley or uh, John Nord, who was you know later on Nord the Barbarian and later on the Berserker. The way he would kind of hold that one hand and go husk, 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 because that was a Brody, that was vintage Brody right there. Um, was against the young Lex Luger in the cage. If those tapes are out now, but the look of fear on Lex Luger's face. He didn't know if Bruiser Brody was shooting or or what. They never could figure out why um, because Brody even told him no, it wasn't anything personal against him. I think Luger just happened to be the person in the ring and something that set Brody off and um, and maybe it was there to teach Luger kind of a lesson in respect. You know, so when he said it wasn't personal, it was, you need to learn something, but I don't hate you as a person type deal. You know what I'm saying? It, it'd be interesting. That That's a unique uh, flip on it. But they, they do always say that Luger was disrespectful and Bruzy, Brody was uh, a stringent for the traditions of the business. He was, except for he kind of he was looked at, at like he had screwed over some promoters, not just down in Puerto Rico either, that he was hard to do business with, but still no excuse he, for what happened. He valued his character because yes. that's what it, it builds. But, but like our number eight here. And you know, I was going to say something about our number eight because here's the odd thing. When our number 10 debuted, he actually had the name of number 8. Right. He debuted as Kane the Undertaker. Kane, Kane the Undertaker. And Kane, up until they made him corporate Kane, but with the fire, with the mask, um, with him able to just manhandle the Undertaker, beat him with his own move. Um, you know, with the backstory, um, just awesome character. Loved it. Hell in a Cell debut. The fact that he could rip the cage door off, and, and immediately one move, and he's a a threat and over to face the Undertaker. And wasn't that during the very first Hell in a Cell match? Had blood with Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. Yes, it was the very, very first one. Um, yeah, with him ripping the cage door off. And I had read, I don't know how true this was, and if it was, in, or maybe something totally um, different, that they were supposed to gimmick the door, make it easier, you know, to rip off. And they had, the door actually was not gimmicked. That was just... Glenn Jacobs, just raw strength, just crank, you know, just pulled it right off. But I don't know. I have to look that up. But uh, um, 
a big meaty not cut but physical beefy type of man and the fact that he didn't talk for so many years has uh, kind of increased his his aura. And it's always it's always the quiet people you have to be afraid of. Well, sort of. I always say it's the guy in the corner, you know, holding the gun, saying he's about to kill everybody in the room. But you don't see that very often, thankfully. But it's actually the quiet, the ones who respond quietly to that. Yeah, you're right. Those are the ones you got to be, you know, kind of scared of. Um, one no, of the I, things I, I think that me, uh, go ahead. I may have been in a fight or two where I'd know that. <laughs> um, one of the things I think actually helped him as well is is the mask, because. Before he was Kane, he was Diesel. Before he was fake Diesel, he was Isaac Yankum. That character could have got over. That character could have never gotten over. Who would not be afraid of a dentist? Um, I'm more afraid of military dentists because of what they did to my teeth with no Novocaine. Well, but, I mean, I have photos in your wedding that I was damaged by. Oh, oh I forgot about that. Because <laughs> that, ha- yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave it this, folks, if you're listening. Something happened to Kyle right before he was one of the groomsmen in my wedding. Yeah, I ate chicken on the floor of the, the office we were in, and I microwaved chicken, and I bit it. If my front tooth fell off. <laughs> I snapped in two. Yeah, because you came over to where I was sitting, and you're like, you're like, uh, I gotta go, and we're like, can you like please close your mouth? Because <laughs> because you had, I mean, it wasn't any, I mean, wasn't your fault, I, but man, you had like the blood, and it was like a big old gap there, like, oh, it's like go take care and, of that, and, please. And they made me a fake tooth. <laughs> Inside of my mouth, so I could be normal in the wedding. Yep. Um, they but, wanted to the wire <laughs> the wire my jaw shut and um, re, re readjust my jaw to fix my tooth, and I told him no. Um, <laughs> well, why didn't you have Isaac Yankum on the list instead of Kane? You know, I really could have, but Isaac. <laughs> Character, he only came out once. That would be like having the Santa Claus on my list. Oh, yeah. But, but, but yeah, and, with, and, uh, well, Kane beating up beating up Pete Rose, um, a favorite to society that should be no knock against him. Oh, I know, um, and I have to be careful saying that in the area that I live. But I don't, because I don't live in your state. So <laughs> it ain't my state. It's the state. I, well, it's the state I live in. You know, so I, I, I'm not going to knock it because obviously, I've met a lot of good people here that necessarily include my wife. Um, you know, so anyway, anyway, great baseball player, 
awful human being, slightly under OJ on the fallen athlete scale, and deserved every bit of what Cain did to him. It's just too bad it wasn't for real. And honestly, he actually deserved to be in the WWE Hall of Fame <laughs> because he actually did make a contribution, a good contribution. You know, and, and the only Hall of Fame he's in on his yes, Ohio. I said that. Well, you got to say yes, Cincinnati, Cleveland. They agree with you. That I agree with you too. But that doesn't exactly make me popular around here sometimes. But so, Cleveland rocks. Um, I will say the. How did I not catch this before? That we have a tie. We actually don't have a number seven. We have a tie for a number six. And the next person, I don't think, is going to be going into any any Hall of Fames anytime soon. And I think the reason why, and naturally, the reason why I don't have him ranked as high as you do is because, yeah, he's kind of scary, but at the same time, no, he is this. You know, and it's more scary. Huh? It makes him more scary. He should be way higher on your list. Well, that means, though, it's not a gimmick. So that's the thing. I mean, this is him, and he's – I'm not going to say what he is because he may cut me, and that's New Jack. And he he will cut somebody because he has. You know? New, and, and it's scariest gimmicks and wrestlers. As a wrestler, New Jack liked to inflict pain on you. He enjoyed your physical misery because he could do it. What he did to what the mass transit? Um, because the kid had never bladed, so he bladed him with the Zacto knife. Which, first of all, you don't blade. I'm not even a wrestler, and I know that's going a little overboard. You don't blade someone with, with an exacto knife. I mean, you, you and you nick them a little bit, and then the blood will flow from there. Then, then uh, what he did to Vic Grimes, trying to break his neck, killing, throwing him off a scaffold. Yeah, on purpose. And what Vic did, did with him, I mean, Vic, yeah, he was negligent, and he caused New Jack to injure himself severely where he still has repercussions to this day um, because, I mean, he had a real traumatic brain injury. I mean, he literally had, like, cerebral fluid coming out of his nose. And, you know, he said he has headaches every day, and he's partially blind now. But still, you know, he tried to kill the man. And then, uh, what was it? He stabbed the dude out in, um, in the Indies. You're talking about the one they, they, I actually didn't know about this one until Dark Side of the Ring. Um, and I'd have to watch it again to get the guy's name. But then there was also what he did with Gypsy Joe. Right. And Gypsy Joe, this man who was, what, like 70? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, small promotion. Legit, New Jack, even at a fan convention, imagine how fans are getting demanding and they want to take a picture and this, that, and the other. That man would stab a fan. He's legit scary. 
And that means it's not necessarily a gimmick. But I'm and no, scary. Well, he takes he takes it. Well, you're right. I mean, he is a, he is scary as a wrestler, but he's he's dangerous. And that to me, not kind of knocks points off of it because he's not doing it for the entertainment. He's doing it because he actually is trying to uh, legitimately and permanently hurt somebody. And but he, but he, but he is also from North Carolina, so I, I do got to give him a little bit of a little bit of a boost for that, and that's my own bias there. I I think um, he could legitimately be higher up on the list. Well, and that's why. Uh, and but that's why you had him. You had him as your number four. And as we went through and did this. Um, did you pay to watch New Jack get beat up by a face? Honestly, I, I don't. I don't think I would. I I did. I, I watched it in the ECW and, and hope New Jack would get beat up. I yeah. Watching Smoky Mountain wrestling. Oh, he was a violent man there. Oh, with him and um. Mustafa Saeed, and they were controversial. And, and what's funny is we got this this tie here for uh, the ranking of number six, and we went the exact opposite. <laughs> we did <laughs> how we rated these. Yeah, because your your number four, I have it at number twelve, and my number four, you have it your twelve. Um. That's uh, that's Bray Wyatt. I have liked I've liked the Bray Wyatt character ever since I first saw him. Um, not long before WrestleMania 30, and and that, this is before I knew he was um, third generation wrestler. Hey, look at that! He shows up on the list two weeks in a row. Before I even knew who his dad was and his granddad and his uncles, um, but I liked the character. I'm like, okay, this character's um, pretty dark. It, I, I'm like, they're kind of going after the the Cape Fear type uh, character. What's the name? Max Cade was the character's name. Cape Fear, Robert De Niro. Yeah, I think they wasted the character. They're and I think they're trying to make up for that. Um, you know, but with the Wyatt family, I mean, that could have been like the faction. They could have had all the belts, um, but they didn't. I think we talked about this in our WrestleMania 30 review. We did. It, I think they they ruined this character, and that he it still is not recovered. Well, that's what I was saying. I mean, I think they're trying to make up for that by also giving him. The um, oh damn! Oh, excuse me. Well, Alexa Bliss, the- yeah, the fiend. I was thinking the demon, but I was like, that's not correct. Um, oh, I found actually, I found out you know, kind of off subject slightly. I found out yesterday that some of the medication I had to take um, actually gives like clouded memories. So that explains why every once in a while I can't remember something that's like right in front of me, like the fiend. I think putting Alexa Bliss with him, though, uh, I think putting Alexa Bliss is a great idea because Alexa Bliss 
was awesome as a heel. She was one of the best heels in the company. Not best female heel, no, best heels in the company. Uh, so with, with Bray Wyatt, when that first hit mainstream television with the Wyatt family, that could have been gold. Yeah. And they, did, they did the creepy sing-along with the kids and Cena, and that was awesome television. And then they just kind of ruined it. And it went downhill there. And I would argue, although I do like the Alexa Bliss being pairing because of her facial expressions and stuff they're doing there, that the theme is overexposed. And it's not must-see television right now. They, yeah, the way they do it. I, I'm actually not a fan of the Funhouse, which I know I, makes me un, unpopular. You know, that's the unpopular yeah. opinion. Yes. Um, so we had a boot track for you um, because the Funhouse is probably one of the best things they usually write on this on the television. Especially uh, with the... Uh, with the Vince McMahon puppet and the Muscle Man dance, it's gotten better for me. I can tolerate it now. But before I see the Funhouse, I'm like, eh, I'm going to go pee. And I just I tried getting into it. I just couldn't. Um, now the Fiend. One thing I'm glad they stopped doing was when they would have the Fiend wrestle in a match. All of a sudden, they're turning everything in the house red. And it made it hard to watch the match. I mean, literally, because you can't watch what you can't see. And they had the red cage, or was it the red hell in the cell? Which apparently they've kept it. They're like, yeah, we ain't going to repaint that. It took too long. Let's just keep the cage. The cage looks cool. Just don't have them stupid red lights anymore. But so so far, I think with that character has been. Uh... Slightly disappointing that they have not been able to rebuild him completely yet. So I marked, I did mark him before. Um, so before we move on, we will go ahead and we will take our next commercial break. And we are back. Hold on just for a second, Kyle. Sorry, my son came in and looking for the uh, the switch. Um, he got grounded from it earlier. Uh-oh. But anyway, oh, uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, hey, license on the TV. Please don't destroy the guitars. Y'all make me cry every time y'all do that. Every time, those are nice. They're nice Fender guitars. Uh, anyway, when we get to destroying stuff, what a great segue! It is the uh, number five on our list is Doink the Clown, and this was when it first came out. He was killed. Yes, because I was at, actually I should have put in parentheses, but you and I are the only ones who can see it. 
Doink the, the original Doink the Clown. When it, yeah, when it was Matt Bourne, he had the nice evil facial expressions, the way his hair kind of laid down like crusty. You know, well, crusty after he took a shower anyway. Um, right. And, you know, with him um, just being just evil, you know, you would like he's went to a, a he would be called to a kid's birthday party and he would kick all the kids in the face and then eat the cake. Which w- would be fantastic for a clown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and granted, I mean, I know this also plays on some people that they actually have a legitimate fear of clowns. I know several people that are afraid of clowns. Yeah. Um, and some people that I would not expect because they it seems like they have no fear. And all of a sudden you find out you put somebody with the white face paint with a smile drawn on them and they just freak out. But, hey, everybody has a fear. I'm not going to say what mine is, you know, but everybody has their own phobias. Not going to dog – yeah. Not to dog anybody. Not gonna dog anybody for that. No, but yeah, they uh, Doink the Clown when he first came, and it was the original, and he he would play little tricks and just just a a bad feeling when he came on the screen, and he's one where. If you were into the live events, which I was, he, he would mess with you if you were in the first couple rows. Kind of like Gallagher? Yes. And I'm not the biggest fan of clowns myself. I don't have a fear of them, but I can't say a clown has ever brought me joy. <laughs> not so, even the dish soap joy? Nope. I'm I'm just not in like I never found them amusing at the circus. I don't enjoy balloon animals like uh uh-uh. uh. And, and a clown that mimes like uh. If you've had the displeasure of seeing that. And speaking of clowns, I was in Seattle, Washington during the. George Bush presidency and there was a clown because I was sick and I I hadn't eaten for like four days and it's Saturday and I'm traveling with a group of people and we have to walk and we're walking to downtown because that's where we're going to eat and there's this clown on the side of a bridge that's handing out George Bush is the devil and Dick Cheney is the Antichrist books Wow. And we threw boxes of his books into the river because he just followed us in his clown costume um, the entire way. And, yeah, just helped liberate his stockpile of reading material that day. He shouldn't have followed you. Just not a fan of clowns at all. And Doink was... Number one on my list for a while. Um, now, granted, the Doink, he was one he didn't need a title. That I don't think I could actually see 
Doink holding any kind of belt whatsoever, unless now, unless when they had the two Doinks, like at WrestleMania Nine, one of the only bright spots of that show, when he had um, the one come out from underneath the ring because he was going against Crush, wasn't he? Yeah, right. And they did, yeah. you know, the the mirror thing and the, you know that act. Um, granted, like Matt Bourne's face paint had just been all worn off by then, but it was still, you know, if they they could have done that, and they could have been tag team champions, you know. But um, well, too and late now though. And made Doink and Dink. Yes, um, the little person. Yes, because at one point. Doink was against Randy Savage. Randy Savage climbed under the ring, and uh, out the other side pops a little person wearing Randy Savage, uh, like a Randy Savage costume. And Doink yeah. himself actually started laughing. You know, he, I'm pretty sure he couldn't help it. He may not have known that was going to happen. But, but yeah, but having clowns in a ring, that's not something that you know you would see back in the old classic days. Because, you know, at uh, our next tie, you know, for number three, uh, we have two of the old school people. And this first one, you know, I think also has a lot of influence on a lot of people. And that's the original Sheik. Um, Real name, Ed Farhat, uncle of Sabu. This... uh... This is probably a surprise to most people because he's before our generation of wrestler. This was someone you heard about in magazines. Um, you saw in later documentaries and books, but mostly out of Detroit, right? Yes. And famous in the Midwest for... Uh, just violent actions and I hate to be well xenophobic is the the word but really playing up on those Middle Eastern fears and not only that but um, he was kind of a forerunner I guess for New Jack um, and some other ones where he was pulling out forks and things like that and just cutting a dude. And yeah. and one of the things, and he may have been the first one to do this, was the Sheik would throw fireballs. And that was something that, that – that's why actually what put him up to the top, um, or actually as the number two on my list – um because that was like that, that put him that put him up there um because he could throw fire i mean he he'd pull out a fork and and stab a dude and you know he'd bite people i mean he was just mean he was vicious and he would actually scare people I and mean, he was scaring you know giving women heart attacks in the front row and 
know, I think his influence is still kind of felt today as far as like being just a nasty, nasty heel, you know, being that bad guy. Because I don't think he was ever a face. Um, and like you said, out of Detroit, um, he actually owned the territory up in Detroit. You know, so that's why he was there. He didn't really go anywhere else too, uh, too much. But yeah, that's why he was based out of Detroit because he owned the territory. And he was the booker. He was the promoter everything but that's another way he actually influenced people but we're talking about the scary part um but the next one and i i i have actually seen the next person on our list um and not in person but actually on tv and that's ox baker who is famous for the heart punch and he actually killed, two, legitimately killed two people. Obviously, it was an accident. But uh, the heart punch is apparently it's a real thing you can do to somebody. So Ox Baker actually comes to my attention because of his acting career first. Yes, and, and I cannot remember what he was in. He was in... Um, was it I Like to Hurt People? Well, he was in a wrestling movie called Blood Circus. And if you're a fan of... Well, I don't know if fan is a good word. But Snake Blitz and Escape from New York. And... My, we watched that movie. I watched Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. And Ox Baker was one of the characters in that movie. And his eye, like the man, just looked like an evil, an evil man because of his eyebrows and his unique uh, goatee. What I want to think about Ox Baker. And this goes back to around late 84, early 85. Um, this is pre-WrestleMania. Um, like pre the very first WrestleMania. And there's a reason why I say that. Because there was a match that was actually being held on Mid-Atlantic uh, Wrestling one Saturday morning. You know, and obviously it was pre-taped, you know, because they didn't, they didn't do anything live. But it was pre-taped between... Um, Ron Bass, who was the Mid-Atlantic champion at the time, and Ricky Steamboat, pre-Dragon Ricky Steamboat. Right. And good match, very good match. Um, well, Ricky Steamboat hit his move, the flying body press, on Ron Bass, and he was pinning him. And, of course, J.J. Dillon and Black Bart interfered. Well, Outside the ring, there was, uh, for Ricky Steamboat, you had Dusty Rhodes um, and Dick Slater. And then Manny Fernandez and Buzz Tyler also joined in. And they all ran, they jumped in the ring to help Ricky. Well, somebody ended up stripping J.J. Dillon's pants off of him. And he was wearing ladies' lingerie, like a garter belt underneath. Not the only time that's ever been used in wrestling, but... You know, but that's what, um, you know, that's what happened. 
And so J.J. Dillon, you know, he, he put up a bounty for him because this is, you know, that, that, to me, that um, I think somebody needs to do that now is to get a bounty and use that angle again. And, you know, it had all five of them on this poster. Um, and when um, – when he had that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a couple weeks later, JJ's, ha ha, I got somebody to answer, you know, ha ha. And it only has one word written on it Ox. Ox Baker is coming in. Um, and yeah, and, and Ox Baker came in and he, to you know, try to take out one of them or any of them, and it was him against um, Dick Slater. And Dick Slater ended up beating him. He hit, he hit him with like the, the double. You know, chop off the top rope. You know, where you kind of hold both hands in front of you, boom, chop on top of the head. But I just remember seeing Ox Baker, and I'm thinking, man, that dude is something else. Um, by the way, I'm entering the Thunderdome right now. Thunder. Da, 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 da. Yep. I'm. Hey, I'm in. Um, yeah. For those of you who have never done this, I actually lucked out. I, I guess you want to call it that, twice in the past few days where I managed to get in the Thunderdome on last Friday's SmackDown, and I also managed to get in the Thunderdome for tonight's Raw. Um, a little bit of a letdown, but I'm not going to lie. It is, it is still pretty cool to say I'm on that. So now I'm just going to wait and see if I can actually get on um, you know, the TV because, unfortunately, last Friday – my face never showed up. But, right. Um, but anyway, as we spent too much time talking about that. <laughs> By you uh, finding your way under the Thunderdome, it, it is a perfect segue to our number two person, except he liked torturing himself with a fork. And... That is our good buddy, Abdullah the Butcher. Yes, and I actually did not mention him when I was making comparisons to the Sheik because I thought, well, it might give it away, but Abdullah will be you know, coming up later. But, yeah, Abdullah the Butcher, um, who he was also on the Dark Side of the Ring uh, documentary about Brody, um, and it's sad to see him. Mean, he can barely walk now. Just vicious animal. Just, uh, I mean, when he would come in the ring, you're like, he might actually kill somebody this time because he was another one just biting, and he would use those foreign objects. He would just pull them out of his trunks, you know, a fork, you know, with tape wrapped around it, you know, stab a dude in the neck, and then throw it right back in his trunks again. Um, and his finishing move was just an elbow drop. But he's weighed 400 pounds. Right. Um, he would drop that elbow, and then he would lay, like, he would immediately turn and, like, lay on top of them with his back on them like they were a body pillow or something, you know, to pin them. Um, and they always they had him billed as the madman from the Sudan, even though he was actually from somewhere up in Canada. Um, but And he never spoke. So you talk about somebody keeping kayfabe. 
He, um, what a big man for that time. Yes. He, he was, uh, what, 360 and probably looked more than that. But, um, I would say so. But the grooves in that man's head, like, <laughs> He he looked like he had Bam Bam Bigelow's tattoo drilled into his skull from all the different times he he cut himself. Yeah, I mean, and to take an an X Pac line from uh, a Degeneration X skit, his titties went all the way around his back. (laughs) Family friendly, Kyle. Titty is a family-friendly word. No, it ain't. Not in my family. If I can't say, you know, something other than little person, you can't say that. Um, anything other than little person offends little people. Oh. Okay. But, but titty is a properly of anatomy. And in uh, his case, he did not have a pectoral muscle. He had a floppy titty, and kind of ironic you're saying that because right now they're uh, they're showing the um, right now this is is it Breast Cancer Awareness Month because the WWE they're showing you know they're um, how they donate and they help out the Susan G Coleman Foundation which I actually think is a very very good cause and it's very good on them to do that. Uh, but we're still talking about Abdul the Butcher and. Unfortunately with Abby, you know, as, as a, apparently they like to call him, you know, he is in the Hall of Fame, the WWE Hall of Fame. But some people protested that because they found out that he has hep C. And he knew he had hep C, and he was still cutting dudes. And he was blading himself, and his blood could have mixed with theirs and given them hep C. Yeah. Something the Undertaker got mad about with uh, Bob Wharton Sr. or mm-hmm. Chavo Clark. and it, it's something. Once you have that, it, it didn't uh, Nigel McGuinness retire from wrestling because he had Hep C? Uh, not. I'm not so sure about that one. I mean, I'll take your word for it. Um, but what, what you, once you have, once you have something like that, you you should be retired. Oh, I agree. And I know superstar Billy Graham. He was one of the most vocal ones about um, Abdullah not being in the Hall of Fame because he called him. He literally called him a bloodthirsty animal, and he wasn't, you know, being kayfabe about it. I mean, he was being serious. You know, he superstar Billy Graham. Said, I'll, you know, I'm giving back my ring. Then you find out no, he just needed money. That's why he was selling his ring. But with Abdullah the Butcher, you know, he also owned a restaurant. I think he had a couple of them in Atlanta, Abdullah's um, House of Ribs and Chinese. You know, well, he had to close them down because they're like, the head dude has Hep C. I ain't eating there. And, you know, and that's not a not really a testament to his wrestling, even though I will say – 
if you if you ever get to network again, go watch Starcade '84. And Abdul the Butcher was in a Mexican sombrero match with Manny Fernandez. Manny Fernandez did a vertical suplex on him. That was impressive. So we have uh, one more to go. Do you need to take another break? or? Yes, we always take a break before we hit our number one. And we will do that right now. And we are back. Our number one, um, no surprise, he was actually your number two, my number one. So this one was number was the overall number one by quite a bit. There was no question about it. That'd be Kevin Sullivan. And we both have Kevin Sullivan as a Satanist, which the ironic thing is um, in real life, Um, A lot further from the truth He's actually a very devout Catholic But his character When he was Down in Florida And he had his own I guess you'd call him a flock Um, I don't know if they were going For a Charles Manson type Character Maybe even more dark uh, Because Charles Manson I mean yeah Obviously diabolical but he basically had a, a bunch of evil hippies, and Kevin Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan's flock. I mean, they were not really hippieish. He in in Florida with the purple haze and the early version of woman. That is remarkable television and storytelling. Yes. And not that I'd be today, but that is how characters and storytelling should be done in wrestling. And I would read about Kevin Sullivan in the magazines, and I finally was able to see it. And it actually was not on, like, Championship Wrestling from Florida. It was the... um, the international championship wrestling that I was mentioning earlier that had Brody on there because they had Brody was there with Gary Hart. Um, and Gary Hart was aligned with Kevin Sullivan. And they were, there was some kind of thing where they said, Kevin Sullivan's been accused of something he didn't do. Then they said, let's roll the video. Well, apparently Kevin Sullivan had taken like a glass bottle and broke it and then tried to cut somebody, you know, um, and that's what Gary Hart turned out. You know, you lied to me, blah, blah, blah. I kept someone laughing. And Maniac Mark Lewin all of a sudden put Gary Hart in the sleeper hold. And that's when Bruce Brody came out and started clearing the house. And he actually talked on the interview, which that kind of threw me off. Um, but, yeah, just Kevin Sullivan, um, just his character. And he's had such longevity, even when he went away from the really, really dark type um, but he was still always that kind of evil manager when he had the varsity club, when he had the um, uh, the faces of fear, and what's, what are some of the other ones? He had the dungeon at Doom. Thank that's you. That's what I was trying to think of. He should. That's not anything to be proud of. No, but it, it was the fact that I mean he um, he was part of so many 
uh, stories like that. Um, even though behind the scenes, Kevin Sullivan is actually a very respected uh, booker and promoter. And um, if you, you know, story writer, I mean, if you want a good angle, I mean, go talk to him. And, you know, his influence, I think, is also still felt today because um, if you look at his character, and I think I may have mentioned this on an earlier episode. I probably did, talking about Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's dad is Mike Rotunda. Mike Rotunda was part of the Varsity Club with Kevin Sullivan uh, as his manager. You think maybe Sullivan has a little bit of influence on Bray Wyatt? As Maybe. far as developing that, I mean, I think they that may have been the direction they were trying to go. Good possibility. Um, and one of the things, I mean, it made him so believable were the the actions of his his flock. When Bob Roop, who legitimate Olympic level athlete Bob Roop, shaved half his head. And when I say half his head, he shaved, like, the head, his face, everything, just half of a dose. So he had half a haircut, he had half a beard, he had half a mustache, you know, like one eyebrow. And the other half, you know, he had one half had hair, the other half had just had, like, face paint, some kind of makeup. And I'm thinking... He's got to travel like that. <laughs> How does he travel like that? Right. You know, but, and I mean, but it, it added to their character. Sullivan, legitimate athlete, letterman, and powerlifter that trained with Mike Graham. Which yeah, how, all like, what, five, five of him? How he got into wrestling. And Mick Foley, in his first book, he was talking about a match with Kevin Sullivan because... Um, it, Mick was about to leave WCW but he was supposed to be the heel and you know leaving that's the way they wanted it portrayed but I think it was he said it was Rip Rogers that told him he said Kevin Sullivan is the least sympathetic character in this business he said they will, the fans will never cheer him and he was right you know, so that says right there. I mean, he's probably one of the most legit heels, which makes him one of the one of the scariest. And here's some other trivia. And I just happened to see this today. It's kind of ironic we have Kevin Sullivan as our number one because today is his 71st birthday. Well, damn! Talk about an unplanned coincidence. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's not the first time we've done that. Yeah, but that was um, I had no idea until. Um, I ran across something today saying, hey, you know, today's Kevin Sullivan's birthday. But I am giddy beyond belief on next week's topic. Yes, because Kyle and I and anybody else, you know, who might want to call in to kind of help us out because – um one of the changes I, I believe we may just keep this as a permanent change, Kyle. We've been having our shows down to an hour. I think we may extend that to an hour and a half. What do you think? 
I see some shows. But I think next week, definitely. Um, you know, it may not last an hour and a half, but that's the a lot of time we're going to give ourselves. Because next week, Kyle and I are going to be discussing the state of wrestling. And what we mean by that um, it kind of ties in. We're staying away from politics, like we said, but with the election being the very next day, you know, you always had the State of the Union. Well, Kyle and I, we're going to give in our state of wrestling some things that we think should be improved, some things we think that are doing great, uh, some things that maybe we feel should just just leave. Yep. And we are definitely looking forward to hearing anybody's input on that. Um, if anybody wants to call in, we encourage it. Like I said, we always encourage people to contact us with any kind of suggestions, um, any kind of feedback. If you just want to say hi, you know, do it. Um, tell your friends about us. Because that is one thing we we are certainly trying to grow our audience. Uh, so anybody you want to invite, invite them. Send them the link for our show or give their information to Kyle and myself. We'll send them the information for our show. We don't mind. I already have one of our fans is actually a coworker of mine. I'm not going to mention his name, but he knows who he is. And he enjoys it. He's a younger guy, and he said he's actually learning quite a bit. So, Kyle, we ought to be proud of ourselves. We're actually teaching somebody something. Hey. Too bad we couldn't teach people how to vote. Yeah, I know. But we won't, we won't be getting into that. <laughs> um so- my fellow wrestling fans, do I have a treat next week? We will try not to go off on too many tangents. And um, one of the things, when Kyle and I disagree about something, we don't argue about it. We might debate, but we don't argue. Because we've been friends now for about 22 years almost. Yep. And, you know, so um, we don't argue about things. We might debate some things. We might disagree about some things. But we don't get into flat-out arguments. We don't care who might be kind of goading us along to do that. But next week's episode ought to be a good one because we're kind of going off our normal, um, our normal subjects to where we – either pick a card, pick a wrestler, pick a match one week, and then the next week will be a top ten of some kind. Uh, And this week, we actually, we went ahead and did a top ten, and I'll go ahead and announce this now, Kyle, um, because in two weeks, in honor of Veterans Day, we're going to be doing the top ten wrestlers who are veterans. Yeah, so uh, that's what you got to look forward to in the next few weeks. So anybody who wants to join us, um, feel free, and because we um, we enjoy entertaining you. And one thing, Kyle, about today's list, I'm very thankful for the Gobbledygooker did not make the list. Although there should be an honorable mention 
for the scariest wrestler we didn't talk about, and that's Hornswoggle. <laughs> I can't, I can't get scared of Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle has always entertained me. I like watching him. Oh, but he—he's a cool dude in person. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I've always heard is, because uh, um, his name is Dylan. Can't think of his last name, but yeah, Dylan. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, he's like pretty pretty cool guy to hang around with. So, um, since we have no callers, and we seem to have run out of, we've ran our top ten list. We've made some announcements for the next couple of weeks. How do you have anything else? No, I'm. I could do the state of wrestling right now. I am ready to go. Um, but we we do have a uh, we <laughs> we don't have enough time for that. That's why I'm expanding next week's show to an hour and a half. So, so I'll we be like Rusev on a tank next week. Rusev on a tank. And Rusev on a tank. Or actually, he's no longer Rusev. Uh, he's Marrow, his real name. Yes, but he was on a tank when that's the description I'm trying to give you. So <laughs> that, that's um, how I'm coming into the discussion. I am actually going to have to really, really write down um, some notes next week because this is – not one I can do research on necessarily. I can't go watch a match and then give my uh, my review of it. This is everything as a whole, so I'm going to have to really think about what I say. And I'm pretty sure you know you'll you'll be the same way. So I, I'm going to be Kenny Powers next week, and uh, yeah, so. All of wrestling has kayfabe died, which we've discussed privately. What could change it? Where where certain organizations are going wrong, and maybe what they're doing right with the uh, Roman Reigns angle, at least. And I'm going to ask them, why don't I see myself on any of them screens? I think you have to pass a beauty test. No, no, trust me. Uh, no, there's some of them people on there that can scare water. You you were on the, the back corner, probably in the bottom left-hand side. I'm probably behind the hard cam. Just think that um, you, you need to put a, uh, a magical flag in, in your background. You could be more appealing to the to the fan base, or something that panders to. Maybe you can put a register to vote sign, like is currently playing on the NFL commercials right now, to bump your position up on the screen. Uh, I thought about trying to find my Elias shirt and wearing it because they actually encourage, um, like WWE apparel. Um, 
But anyway, well, my friend, I think that we should go ahead and call it because we're getting to the point where we're both getting tired and we're starting to ramble. So I will be in touch with you throughout the week. And for anybody else out there, thank you for tuning in. And keep tuning in and tell your friends and go give us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. So, Kyle, until then, see you, dude. Have a good week.